God is good. And all the time. God is good. I um I didn't expect to leak up here, but um congratulations to you four. What an amazing journey you've been on, and what an amazing journey God has in store for each of you. And we are so happy to celebrate with you today. Can we just give them another round of applause? You know, as a parent in one of these, a, a day like this brings a lot of joy. He's <laughs> like, we made it, <laughs> right? And then it's like, but then there's a the question, did we get her ready enough? Are y'all ready enough to, to, to go on to the next season? There's all kinds of questions that run in our minds, but no doubt God is going before you and we stand beside you and we're excited for all that you're going to do. And um, I know that all of you, whether you've had kids of your own or not, um, I want to thank you. You're praying into, you're, you're supporting, you're investing in the next generation will have a kingdom impact. And so thank you, each and every one of you, for all that you do in small ways and big ways to pour into the next generation. Um, they are our future. They are our future. And they are in good hands, at least with these four anyway, right? And uh, so praise be to God for that. Well, I want to give a shout out to, you know, speaking of next generation, y'all know that we have had a dream of being able to expand into the Latimer Hall. And so I just want to give a shout out. Any of you that helped lift a hand, helped move anything yesterday, I want to give you a praise be to God. Um, Alan tried to get out of it. He didn't want to lift a finger, so he broke a finger early on in the in the story. So y'all pray for him. Literally, he's broken his, his ring finger. It's not good. He's got, Alan, you got to keep your hand up. Yep, there we go. The nurse is telling him to keep his hand up. But literally, we got everything moved out of Latimer Hall. And the contractors are scheduled Monday week to begin tearing it apart so that we can begin to rebuild it into the next chapter of mission and ministry here at The Way. And I am so excited. Super excited. We had a great turnout. We had scouts here yesterday. We had our Ukrainian friends from the Harvest Church here yesterday. We had people that aren't even members of this church show up. We had long-timers here show up. We had all kinds of folks helping make yesterday possible. And praise be to God for all of you and all that has led up to this moment. And the future is bright. And the future is exciting. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're in this series in the, doing a survey of the book of Acts. And, and one of the recurring themes, major themes throughout the whole book of Acts is that we are empowered to witness. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. There's a witness right there, right? And, and, and so as we continue in this survey of the book of Acts, I want to ask you a question this morning. When, who comes to your mind? Who comes to your mind when you think of someone that has led an extraordinary life of faith. What, what comes to mind? Who is it that comes to mind? Maybe, maybe it's Louis Giglio. Maybe it's Andy Stanley. Maybe, maybe it's Billy Graham. Maybe it's Martin Luther King. Maybe it's Priscilla Schreier. Maybe it's Sister Teresa. I mean, the list can go on and on of people that are titans of faith. Dallas Willard. Any of you who've read Dallas Willard know that he's a pillar of faith. There are some people that have done some extraordinary things. But perhaps some of the people that also come to your mind are those that don't necessarily make the headlines, but they're also people that have poured into your life, like maybe a grandparent or a parent or a friend or a neighbor or maybe a pastor even has poured into your life, and you see in them someone that's lived an extraordinary life of faith. And so my next question to you is, whoever that is in your heart and your mind this morning that has led that kind of life, what has 
in their life has made you take notice of them? What's, what's allowed you to, to see something extraordinary in their life in terms of their faith? And as that kind of conjures up in your mind, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 4, where we see someone else take notice of a couple folks who lived an extraordinary life. In Acts chapter 4, it opens this way. I'm going to read the first 13 verses for us. It says, The priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who had heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Merciful Father, I thank you once again for the privilege to enter into your presence. God, I also know that there are, as much as there are joys here with celebrating with some of our teens about to embark into a new season, there's heartache, the headlines this past week, even this past night. So God, I pray that your spirit would be amongst us. I pray that your spirit would comfort us. I pray that your spirit would stir in us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would open us to a new understanding of who you are and how you're at work in and through and even in spite of this world and even in spite of us. So God, would you be with us as we continue to explore your word this morning? And as we explore your word, may we encounter the living word, your son, Jesus. Because there's by no other name can we be saved. May we meet him today. And God, may we be transformed and renewed. So God, may the meditation of our hearts and minds and may the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And all the church said, amen. Amen. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. You see, in the eyes of the Sanhedrin, those of the religious elite, they were the the who's who, if you will, in the know. Peter and John shouldn't have been able to do the things that they were doing. 
They were considered unschooled. They weren't trained in the Greek rhetoric of the day, and they were considered less than in the eyes of the Sadducees, unschooled. How is it that they could draw a crowd that we hear that thousands came to believe in Christ Jesus through their proclamation of the word? Not to mention, how is it that this man that had been lame from birth, some 40-some-odd years, have been carried and placed before the temple to beg, was there walking and standing beside them, having been healed by them in the name of Jesus, as Peter called upon the name of Jesus just one day before? And then Peter and John, having been jailed overnight, because it was late, Sanhedrin didn't want to work too hard, but they wanted to shut him up, so they... They drew them out because of the stir they had created. The crowd that they had drawn to them and the healing and the teaching that they were extending to the community. We find that the religious leader interrogating them. Only I love how the tables get flipped. God, God does amazing things. We find that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, takes them to school. He's schooling them, y'all. As we look in verse 8, he's taking them to task. But you see, these were just unschooled men, Peter and John. These were fishermen, no less, from a backwaters village in the region of Galilee. And this left those that were in the know, the Sanhedrin, astonished. For you see, ordinary people shouldn't be able to do things like this, right? You see, the problem isn't so much that the Sanhedrin see Peter and John just as ordinary The problem is, is that how often do we see ourselves that way? How often do you see yourselves as simply just ordinary? That somehow your faith or my faith is not capable of making the impact like that of the apostles that we read and throughout all of Scripture, much of it in the book of Acts or the Christian superstars, if you will, that we think of today. You see, I think so often we are tempted to think that we're just ordinary, and so we shy away from being bold in our faith. We we shy away from sharing the relationship we have with Jesus Christ, maybe out of fear of what someone might say, maybe out of fear of the questions someone might ask us, and we don't think we have the answers, and so we just don't speak up. Or perhaps we're intimidated because we think we don't know enough of God's Word, and so we don't want to speak up on that either. And the truth of the matter is, is even pastors do this. Even pastors put other pastors up on pedestals, don't they? I I loved sitting underneath Danielle Strickland last week in Houston. Actually, it was a little little over a week ago. And, and, And she's with the Salvation Army. And she unpacked Acts 16 without a single note for 45 minutes. And you talk about spirit filled and immersion in the word. It was unreal. And I came back on fire. She's a spirit-filled, gifted speaker. Even as pastors, we can sit there and think someone's more holy, more spirit-filled, can preach better. I mean, I know y'all can get a lot better preaching than this. You know? There, there's a lot of ways that even us pastors sometimes put others in that category as extraordinary, and we think of ourselves simply as ordinary. But you see, sometimes you and I can buy into the lie. So often we buy into the lie that these apostles in that day and the Christian superstars of today are somehow different than us. 
They're more holy. They're more knowledgeable. You fill in the blank. We even risk flirting with the idea that ordinary folks are somehow less important, don't we? Any of y'all felt less important than others when it comes to sharing faith? You know, sometimes we even relegate it to the professionals, right? I didn't realize that until I became a pastor and assumed that title. And then everybody said, oh, the pastor needs to pray at a mealtime, right? (laughs) As if we're the only ones that can pray. It's the farthest thing from the truth. And sometimes that thought that our ordinariness, our just being simply ordinary women and men is reinforced even with what we read in Scripture. Because any of you read Hebrews chapter 11? It's the who's who of faith. I mean, you students, did y'all get conned into buying that who's who book? You know, you're graduating. Any of y'all get a flyer about being in the who's who? It was a great marketing scheme in high school to be a part of the who's who book. But I'm talking about the who's who in chapter 11 because every time it's written, by faith, so-and-so went on to do something extraordinary and when we read that, sometimes we can look at that and say, man, they did amazing things. And they did. But then we compare ourselves to them and say, we, we don't measure up. Our faith doesn't measure up to what we see that they have done. But you see, that too is a way of us buying into the lies. Because the truth of the matter is, is that God chooses to use the ordinary to do extraordinary things. He chooses to go through ordinary women and men, and dare I say, even sometimes flawed men and women. You see, when we take a deeper look at the men of faith and the women of faith, the, the who's who that we see in Scripture, one of the beautiful things I love about Scripture is that it's not like Disneyland. It doesn't gloss over. It doesn't put just this beautiful veneer out there, but it shows the warts and all of all people because we're all human. And so if you take a deeper dive of some of the who's who that you might think of in Scripture, Noah was a drunk, and yet God used him in, in the cleansing of the earth and, and restarting things. Abraham and Sarah were older than dirt. Y'all hear me talk about that all the time, but I mean, they were. I mean, literally, they were in their 80s and 90s before they had their first child. And God used that to plant a nation and plant a community that Jesus Christ would come out of. Now, Joseph, for you teens, he was an entitled teenager, or at least he acted that way. And yet God, he would walk with God and he would help Egypt and his own family walk out of one of the most historic famines ever recorded in history. Moses was a stutterer. And yet God invited him to help lead the people out of bondage. You got Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. Men looked at her as an object rather than of someone of great value. And yet Rahab welcomed in those scouts as the Hebrew people were coming into the promised land. And Rahab was adopted into that family so much so that she's in the family tree of Jesus Christ. Esther was an orphan. Jonah was an escapist, right? Until he got swallowed up by a fish and sent to Nineveh to lead them to repentance. Peter was a quitter. He denied Jesus three times and he went back to fishing. That's where Jesus had to go find him to reinstate him. And Paul was a a persecutor. Only he became the most prolific church planner in the history of the first century. And then the least and not the last, and perhaps one to top it all off, Mary, an unwed teenager, was entrusted by God to carry the very Son of God. Can you imagine? 
someone just ordinary that lived into an extraordinary life because she opened herself up to walk with God. You see, all these people, they're just ordinary people like you, like me. But they went on to do extraordinary things in their life and faith because of their willingness to walk with God. And when you come back to what you see with Peter and John, you see the Sanhedrin, they're astonished at their boldness, it says. And they're astonished at their being unschooled, ordinary men, it says. But what stands out to me in that verse is that they were in particularly noticed because they were simply companions with Jesus. The very end of that chapter, verse 13, it says, and they took notice that they had been with Jesus. You see, Peter and John, they were just ordinary men, but they had simply walked with Jesus, and Jesus changed their lives. See, this is what other people notice, that spending time with Jesus changed their lives. And I got news for you, if you haven't experienced it yet, spending time with Jesus will change yours and mine too. You see, when we embrace that invitation to put our faith in Him, when we choose to to take that invitation to believe in Him, that He has forgiven us, that He can redeem us, that He can restore us, that He can renew us into our relationship with God and restore our relationships with one another, when we begin to choose to follow Him, when we begin to choose to live like Him, when we choose to decide to love like Jesus, it changes us. And others take notice. And it should compel us to go and share Him with others. Any of y'all ever noticed when someone comes into that like 180 degree turn in their life, when they come to know Jesus, it's like diarrhea of the mouth. They got to tell you about Jesus. When's the last time you had diarrhea of the mouth about Jesus? I can hear a pin drop in here. When's the last time that we had that contagious demeanor amount amongst us that people say i want what you have what is it about you that's different and we took the opportunity to introduce them to jesus because this is what we see peter and john doing this is exactly what we see them doing you see no matter how unremarkable you may feel no matter how young or old you are god can do something extraordinary with you and through you. You see, Peter and, and John embraced that promise of Christ. They could go on to do greater things than even he did. And they indeed walked in that. They opened themselves up to a move of the Spirit. They opened themselves up to receive what Jesus said, wait here until the gift of God will come upon you. And then when Pentecost came, all hell broke loose, right? No, all heaven broke loose. The Holy Spirit set up camp amongst them and within them, and they were set on fire. And they went out and they did the things like Jesus did. And that you and I are called to, we're equipped to. This is what we're called to as beloved daughters and the beloved sons of God Most High. When we place our faith in Jesus, this is what we're called to. You know, when I, when I look at that list, when that question I gave you at the opening of who in your life has lived out an extraordinary life of faith. The ones that come to my mind are not the ones I've read about. They're the ones I've walked with. Ones like my grandfather that taught me how to pray. 
even when it meant burning the rolls at Thanksgiving meal. Ones like my own dad, who taught me what a humble servant leader looks like. And ones like Jim Morris, who many of you, in fact, most of you don't know. My wife does, because we were in youth group with him. Jim Morris was a very successful architect. But Jim Morris, the way we knew Jim Morris, was someone that would give up his time every Sunday to pour into students. And this is, I'm dating myself, this is late 80s, early 90s. This is before, you know, the mega church mindset. There were 60 to 80 teenagers every Sunday that eagerly walked into that room because of that contagious faith and passion that Jim had for Jesus and the way that he wanted to pour that into us. And you know what Jim ended up doing? He walked away from that lucrative architectural job. And he walked into the classroom as a public teacher. He went on to become a fifth grade math teacher. And that infectious love for kids and their desire to know Jesus, he walked right into the public school. And he became recognized very early on in his career in the school as one of those high-performing teachers, highly influential teachers. You see, Jim Morris is someone none of us, most of you, will never know. But he touched countless lives. He sowed seeds of faith into hundreds of lives. I stand here before you as just one of those. Jim was just an ordinary man. He is just an ordinary man. But he's lived an extraordinary life of faith. And so the challenge I want to leave us with today is this, that no doubt there are others that you could list in your life just like I just listed to you, that you look to and you know that they walk with Jesus. When you look to them, you know that they have the love of God with them. You know those that just kind of ooze the Holy Spirit? You know what I'm talking about? You, you all walked around those people? Am I the only one that walks around and you just see that? You're like, ooh, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me come rub up against that person, right? There are people like that that you run into, you bump into. And they are women and men of profound faith and they've made an extraordinary impact. Dare I say they've made an eternal impact. Not just on the here and now, but forevermore in the lives of countless people. But what about you? What about me? What about us as a church? When others look to you, when others look to me, do they see Jesus? When others come up against you, do they ask, hey, what what is it that's different about you? you take the opportunity to share the love of Christ with them and how you live and how you love alongside them? Will they see that you have the courage to stand with Christ and to share him with them? You see, I want to challenge you, especially you teenagers about to go into a whole new season. Don't buy into the lie that you're just ordinary. Because in the eyes of God, You are extraordinary. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are created for more by God and with God's help to live extraordinary lives. 
Lives that will change the lives of others. Not just here and now, but forevermore, eternally. You can have a kingdom impact in how you live your life. And how you walk out your faith. Because after all, as followers of Jesus, Jesus said we would go on and do greater things. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? Merciful God, I thank you for the privilege of your word. Being able to dig into it a little bit today. God, what an amazing unfolding we see in the early church of ordinary folks living into extraordinary lives. Lives that are impacting ours today because we're reading about them because of their walk with you. God, I pray for a boldness. I pray for an openness amongst this community, a receptiveness to being filled anew by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray a special favor upon our teens that are about to graduate. Lord, that you would empower them to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are loved by you, that they are called by you, that they are created by you, and that they are created for a purpose and that we all are. It's a purpose that we cannot live out in our own strength, but in yours. So Holy Spirit, come and move amongst us. And God, I come against a spirit of defeatism. I come against a a spirit of lies that we are just simply ordinary people. Because God, in your eyes, we are extraordinary. So God, I pray that you would open the eyes and the hearts of each and every person within the sound of my voice to hear your voice say, with you, you are well pleased. And that you love them. And that we can walk with you. And God, that in doing that, others will take notice. God, this world desperately needs something that is out of this world to speak into their lives. And that something is not something but a someone. It's your son, Jesus. Whom we're empowered testify to in our own walk. May it be so beginning today. I ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and the whole church said, Amen. Amen. Amen.